Hey everybody, this is me again, and I will be reading chapter 7 and chapter 8 today on the One Podcast. Um, Again, I am reading from the book Supernatural Academy by Maria Grant. Um, These two chapters have a lot going on. It's really setting up the arc for this story so we're starting to get into the meat of things i'm really excited to read them um and i'm really excited really excited to continue to read this novel it's really interesting i have a really great one after this one is done um that's kind of on the same lines of this but it's really good and if you have any novels that you want me to read after i'm done just let me know i love reading novels um, I love getting into them, so if you have anything that you kind of just are interested or a book that you've interested, been interested in reading but you haven't bought it yet, um, I'll take a look at it, buy it for you, and read it, so just let me know. Alright, we're about to get into it. This is Chapter 7, Wrong Place, Wrong Time. Alvaro hates the night classes, but he's not used to the light enough to attend the evening classes like some of the more experienced vampires. You see, Alvaro was turned when he was 17, which was six months ago. He doesn't know who turned him or about that night at all, just remembers waking up in an alley and feeling like he was going to die. He wasn't sure what was going to kill him first. The intensity of the sun or the extreme thirst he was experiencing. He fed on the first person he saw. It was a man who was coming out of his own shop to throw away the garbage. Alvaro fed and fed and fed till the man stopped squirming, stopped breathing. Alvaro panicked. He took off, blood running down his chin and shirt stained red. Alvaro ran home and hid in his room until the sun went down. He wasn't dumb. He knew what he was. It's not like he ever believed in vampires, but when you wake up one morning sensitive to the light, have the ability to grow fangs and the sudden desire for blood, doesn't take a genius. So he adapted like he did everything else in his life. He adapted. And he found a chat where someone mentioned a school for supernaturals. He thought it was a joke, but he applied, got in right away. Now here he is, going to night school. He's had a hard time of it, too. While he's found some friends here to help him cope, he misses his family. The same family he wrote a note explaining he was running away because he needed to find himself. One day... When he has better control, maybe he'll explain. But for now, it's the best way. Oh, it's cold out here. A hushed voice whispers in the night. Avril stops his mental complaints to hear the conversation. He's been coming this way since classes started and no one is ever on this path. Not this late. Shut up. And tell me if you were able to get the ingredients like I told you. Another voice responds, this one harsh and demanding. Of course, just look. 
The first voice seems cut off, and the next thing Alvaro knows, a blast of light is beaming at him. He uses his speed to get out the way, but he's hit as he zooms out of the forest, but not before hearing the cold voice shout, Next time I won't warn you. It shakes Alvaro to his core. He keeps on the class, looking over his shoulder the whole way. Getting into first period, he sits beside his new best friend, Sonic, and tries to pay attention. Sonic is the life of the party. He's outgoing, brash, and got turned at 14. That was five years ago now. Luckily for him, he was always tall for his age and fast. So at least he won't look like a preteen for eternity. But Sonic has also has really good intuition. He can tell something is wrong with his friend. So after the first period, Sonic pulls Avaro to the side and demands answers. Avaro seems hesitant, but eventually he spills everything. Sonic is shocked and pulls his friend in for a hug before telling him to shake it off. And that for now, only the two of them will just go to class together. Avaro seems to feel better about the situation, but Sonic can't help but wonder if Avaro is really safe at all. So Sonic bids his time and waits for morning to come. When morning comes, there's Sonic and Kaya sitting in class. Sophie, there's Sophie and Kaya sitting in class. Sophie hates Thursdays because that means magical chemistry day. It's only once a week, but it's so annoying. It's pretty much a potions class that's so dull because they never actually do any potions. Today is especially awful because the teacher, Professor Young, says some of their ingredients for today's lessons are missing. So instead of making something, they'll just do a lecture class. Snoresville, five more minutes. Kaya whispers to her friend. Sophie groans silently before banging her head on her desk. She eventually leaves it there until the grateful bell rings thus signaling them the freedom to leave class. Sophie zooms out of there like her feet are on fire, and she hugs the hallway as soon as she's out. Freedom! She exaggerates. Kaya laughs and pulls on her friends so they can leave the building and head out to the joint library. Okay, Soph. Kaya pulls her friend. If you're done dying... Let's go get started on our project for history. Sophie pouts, but follows her friend anyways. One day, I'm going to bust out of here. And Sophie is cut off by seeing one of her vampire friends, Sonic. He's been a vampire for about five years, and they met when he first came here four years ago. He's never been out in the daytime. Not normally. Sonic, hey! Sophie calls as he rapidly approaches her. Hey, Soph, he says with wind breath. The daylight takes a lot out of him. Sonic, this is my friend and new roommate, Kaya. Sophie introduces Kaya. This is Sonic. He's a vampire who should be asleep. I know, but I had to tell you my friend Navarro saw last night, Sonic explains. Couldn't do it over the phone. He goes into the story, including the beam of light. Sophie looks on surprised. Professor Young had ingredients stolen. Kaya pipes up. I need to tell my mom, Sophie states, like she knows what's going on. Kaya thinks the girl probably does. Once again, Kaya feels left out. That's why I had to tell you, in person, 
I figured your mom should be alerted. I would have told her myself, but she doesn't really like me, so... Sonic states with a shrug. I gotta get back, though. I know what age is easier for vamps to be in the sunlight, but my skin feels like it's boiling. He waves to them and then speeds off. Kaya is left stunned. I'm sure you have a lot of questions, Sophie begins, but I can try and answer them on the way to the house. I'll call my mom and tell her what happened while you text the boys and ask for them to get back to the house immediately. Kaya agrees and does as told. By the time they walk home, the boys are piling out of Anders' SUV. Kaya only has two seconds to be surprised by the fact that there are other vehicles beside Yase's Jeep. Sophie is the one to explain what Sonic has said. The boys all have no expressions and it makes Kaya curious. Are the jewels back? Why now? Reed runs a hand through his hair as he ponders out loud. Anders makes eye contact at Kaya and his face looks worried, but she can't pinpoint as to why. I think my mom's coven should know about this. Yates speaks up. Kaya didn't even know Yates' mom had a coven. So many things to learn. That's what my mom is suggesting as well, Sophie tells her friend. She stares at her phone, seemingly typing out a reply. Just when I thought things were getting boring around here, Declan lays on the couch and groans. Kaya sits beside him and pats his thigh. Declan sits up and wraps his arm around her shoulder. Once the wearers get a word of this, it's going to be hell. I didn't think things between us and them could get worse. Sophie pouts. Looks like you need a deeper lesson on Druid history, young lady. Declan leans in a whisper. Kaya nods and awaits explanation, knowing that whatever is going on is just the beginning. Alright, you guys. So that was chapter 7. And again, like I said, I'm doing chapter 7 and 8 because they're kind of small. So we are now going to get started on chapter 8 of supernatural academy by maria grant and chapter 8 is titled tell me everything you guys i'm super excited this story's getting so good but chapter 8 is called tell me everything apparently gates like the other magicals is loaded because of course he is his house is massive, and Kaya feels a sulky pout cross her face, like maybe she really wasn't meant to be a magical after all. Given the fact that every magical she knows is filthy rich, she feels as if she's missed out on some secret society she never knew existed. Was she supposed to be rich as well? Has her father denying his heritage somehow prevented Kaya and her mother from living the high life? Her sulking deepens. Yates, are you eating all right? Yamata Murray questions her son as she kisses him on the cheek and greets him with a mother's hug. Yates frowns up his face and rubs at his nose before pulling away, getting pulled away by his father. Leave the boy alone. He's clearly growing to a fine young man. <laughs> Quentin Murray comments that he taps on his son on the shoulder. Gates sighs, but there's a fond smirk on his face, so Kai assumes he's not truly annoyed. Mr. Murray is a cream-colored guy with average height and slender arms and legs. He has a bit of a rounded belly with short, sandy brown hair and deep brown eyes. Mrs. Murray is a fairly tall woman, 
taller than her husband. With a slim to average frame, she has long brown and tan dreads with hazel eyes and this smooth mocha-colored skin. Her cheeks are high and there's this aura about her that demands attention and sophistication. Currently, they are all at Gates' parents' house. They are all scattered about in the living room while Mrs. Murray has some tea and coffee sitting in the middle of the coffee table. Declan is spread out on one of the couches, lounging as if he's been in this house his entire life. He has a Coke can in his right hand and his feet are hanging off the arm of the couch. Mr. Murray walks by and slaps Declan's feet till they are on the floor and the teen glares without any heat. Sophie is sitting beside Kaya, sipping on lemon honey tea with her legs crossed. She blows in the hot beverage before taking another tender sip. The twins are sitting on the couch with Malcolm, all declining getting drinks. Mrs. Murray makes herself some tea before sitting beside her husband, and Gates decides to push Declan into a sitting position so he can sit down too. Before you tell me what's wrong, I have to ask Yates. Mrs. Murray says slowly as she sips her tea. She crosses her legs and gives her son a very expressive look like she already knows the answer before even asking. Why would Mr. Patel call your father complaining about how you tried to touch him inappropriately? She's smirking and this is the first time Kaya has seen Declan, Declan's flesh is he embarrassed? Yates doesn't seem faced. Almost bored as he shrugs. If by inappropriately touching him, you mean I kicked his sorry ass? Then yeah, I touched him inappropriately. Yates states firmly. Kaya's jaw drops at the emotionless, emotionless admission. She often feels like Yates responds as if he were emotionally detached. But damn, who just admits to beating up their friend's father like it was nothing? She knows she's openly gaping, but she can't help it. Figured as much, Mr. Murray grumbles as he pops open a beer bottle. The piece of shit won't even come out of the house, stupid fucker. Declan slides deeper in his seat as if he wished the couch would swallow him home. Language there, Mrs. Murray responds without missing a beat. Yates, do you find that behavior Appropriate? Uh, yeah. Gates responds again, in the same tone as before. Mrs. Marie sighs like she's given up on her son being remotely responsible for his actions. I'm sure he deserved it. Mr. Murray cheers his son on. Use that martial arts, son. Proud of you. Mrs. Murray glares at her husband, who decides to not look her way. The other magicals are smiling like they find this amusing, and Kaya just feels so blown. She's given up on trying to understand what's going on anymore. As you can tell, the Murrays aren't fans of the Patels. Sophie whispers to Kaya so the others can't hear. Kaya nods, thinking she understands a little bit better. Since my son seems to have no remorse, tell me what's the matter and why my coven needs to be involved, Mrs. Murray demands. She places the tea in her lap and looks at her son expectantly. Sonic, a vampire, knows a guy who's walking in the woods by the school, Ye starts to explain. explain. Apparently, he heard some talking 
And then he got spotted and a blast came right at him. He sped off. The next day, some ingredients were missing out of Sophie and Kaya's class. It's like that potions class. Mrs. Yate closes her eyes briefly before sighing. Welp, that sounds horrifically familiar, Mr. Murray murmurs to himself. I was afraid of this, Mrs. Murray admits with a summer expression. Kaya, dear, I know you're new, so let me explain. I see auras. More than that, I can see auras of people and the environment as well. When there's a shift in the atmosphere, I can tell right away. The aura around these parts are different lately. I'm seeing darker reds and dark pinks. Stupid question, but what does that mean? Kaya raises her hand like she's in class. Not stupid at all, my dear. Mrs. Murray reassures. Dark red means anger, hatred. Dark pink means mistrust, disloyalty. Things along that nature. There are some seriously bad auras in those areas of late, but I can't seem to pinpoint them. Might have to get a healer out there, out here to track them down. Declan's eyes brighten up. Emoji? Declan's voice squeals like a little child. Yes, Mrs. Murray rolls her eyes. Emoji is my sister, and she spoils Declan like her child. Mrs. Murray explains for Kaya. She's a healer, and she can track down sources of auras as well as energy and chi. Kaya's mouth drops a little at this. There's so much to this world, she says in disbelief, mostly to herself. You will learn in due time, Mrs. Murray states like it's a fact. It does send a bubble of encouragement inside of Kaya. Why do you think the Druids are back? Declan abruptly speaks out. There's no telling that they are back, Mrs. Murray states quickly. Now, honey, don't lie for their sake, Mr. Murray states. This is how it started before. They should be in on this so they can protect themselves. Last thing you want is for where to go missing and the kids to, eat, kids to end up in some feud without knowing why. Mrs. Murray's lips tighten. I'd hardly say it would come to that, dear. Mrs. Murray chastises. We don't know that. Mr. Murray replies calmly. What I do know is that this probably has to do with Asgard. Mrs. Murray looks at the group. Like Odin? Kaya says stupidly. Anders giggles until he gets an elbow jabbed in his side. Mrs. Murray even chuckles a bit. Odin is merely a fable. Magicals invented to hide the truth. Mrs. Murray explains. The truth is, when a coven is strong enough, they are able to pull their magic together and create another dimension. Sort of like a rift in time. Kaya feels like her eyes are outside of her head at this point. The true rumor is that about 200 years ago, a group of powerful magicals got together and their coven used the strength of the ley lines plus the full moon in order to open a porter to Asgard. Mrs. Murray continues. They locked in they locked in an evil and powerful druid inside of it. And he's been locked in ever since.
then why Kaya lets the question die in order to open Asgard, a prison realm essentially, one has to either kill every single descendant that made the portal open or make a thousand blood sacrifices and gain the power to do it yourself. Mr. Mario finishes for his wife. Ew. Sophie scrunches up her face. That's horrid. Kaya gasps. And that's why those wares went missing all those years ago. Reed tells her. That's why we're afraid it might be happening again. The druids are gathering together to release someone in Asgard. Well, how would they stop last time? Kaya ponders. Well, it looks like it took one of the druids growing a conscience to tell a group of magicals about it, Mrs. Murray explains. The International Magical Society gathered their best soldiers and got rid of the druids. Kaya wants to ask, but feels too mentally exhausted to even get an explanation. So here's crossed happens again, Declan deadpans. Our best bet is to get some seers together and try and break through any magical barrier the druids are using to keep their location hidden. Mrs. Murray informs as she stares at Anders. The twins swallow thickly and look down at their hands. There's an expression on Anders' face specifically that Kaya can't decipher. I'll try my best, Anders admits. Mrs. Murray smiles kindly. It's all we ever ask, Mrs. Murray says. Now, if you lot will excuse me, I have a coven to inform. With that, everyone stands and bids goodbye before leaving. They all arrived with energy, and now they're leaving with heavy hearts. What is going on? As they continue to drive back home, Reed gets a call from a fellow student who is asking him for tutor assistance. This prompts Anders and Declan to tease the team mercilessly until they arrive back at the house. I don't get why you idiots think teasing a guy who is smart enough to tutor someone else is funny. Sophie deadpans. Because they're teenage boys who still giggle at farts? Kaya rolls her eyes to say. Anders gasped dramatically. We do not giggle it farts, Anders protested. A girl farted in my class today. She made so many heads turn around I thought she was on The Voice. Kaya deadpans. Anders' face turns red before he's busting out laughing. Declan right beside him. Children, 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 please stop. Malcolm pats them both on the head as they all walk into the house. Reed, I'm glad Max still comes to you for tutoring. Kaya raises a questioning brow. I started tutoring Max last year, Reed explains. He's six and has a learning disability. Some of the teachers don't spend enough time breaking things down for him so he gets behind easily. Kaya pokes out her bottom lip in a pout. That's sad. Poor little tyke. He's also the only werewolf Reed here will tolerate. Malcolm flops on the couch as he states this fact. Kaya thought Reed was all anti-werewolf. It's true, Reed shrugs, a slight blush creeping up on his cream-colored skin. I can't help it, though. He's so adorable and innocent. 
I thought werewolves were all about packs and stuff, Kaya speaks. Do they not want to tutor him themselves? Ree's expression turns sour. Werewolves are all about survival, Sophie explains. So they have a pup. This seems weak. They don't tend to spend much time on it. They'd rather let it die off. Kaya feels outraged. Low, burning anger simmering in the pit of her stomach. How disgraceful. He's practically a baby. She screams in indignation. If the alpha of the back doesn't care, then neither does the pack. Declan shrugs as he says. I want to kick that alpha's ass then. Kaya determines. Malcolm chuckles at this. Calm down, Beckham, Declan taunts. Oi, Yates. Looks like you're not the only one trying to beat up adults, Malcolm teases. Declan blushes again and looks away from the group while Yates simply struggles. I'll gladly kick his ass too. Yates makes a kicking motion with his right foot as if going for a field goal kick. Alright, Jackie Chan, settle it down. Sophie rolls her eyes to the boys. Nuh-uh. Declan protests from the couch. He's American, so Yates is more like that one white guy instead. Sophie snorts so hard, Kaya can f- actually feel that it hurts the girl's throat. Right, because that makes sense, Sophie glares. The one guy from the one show, Declan snaps his fingers like it's some kind of game of charades, you know? No, Sophie deadpans. I can honestly say I have no idea what you are talking about. You're not making any sense. Ugh. Declan smacks his own forehead. Chuck Norris? Kaya takes a guess. He's the only white guy who fights that Kaya's dad ever talked about. Yes! Declan cheers, raising his hand up in the air. Air five! It's like we share the same brain. Kaya's brain takes a dangerous turn and she shivers in horror. Now that's a scary thought. I'd rather we didn't, thanks. Kaya says politely. Ooh, burn! Airs last. Declan goes to retort when Reed cuts him off. Not that this isn't fun, but I'm meeting up with Max at the library in like 10 minutes. Reed announces, later. He waves before exiting. The rest of them are left looking at each other. Welp. Declan claps his hands. How about we order pizza, watch some horror films on the fire stick, drink a little, play some games, relax. Everyone shrugs as they nod. Sounds good to me. Yates says verbally, I think we still have some more swearing off left from the 4th of July. Please tell me you guys are going to make punch out of that. We weren't planning on it, Yates responds slowly. Let me rephrase that again then. Sophie starts, you are going to make a punch. No, Yates responds immediately. Sophie looks like she's about to burst, which is why Malcolm holds her by the middle as she chuckles. We'll make you a separate thing, a punch. Malcolm soothes her as he laughs. We all know you hate straight up liquor. He just likes to tease you. Gates gives her a wink as he goes to hunt down the stuff. Sophie huffs, but seems a lot less hostile than a second ago. While they are off getting everything started, mind telling me a bit background information on this whole Asgard thing? Cuffy whispers to, si- to Sophie. The girl nods and beckons Kaya to follow her to the love seat. So what questions do you have? Sophie crosses her legs. Why a werewolf? Kaya blurts out, not realizing I was on the top of her head. They are the closest to the pool of the moon, Sophie shrugs. 
they are cursed beings and ancient magical beings as well. So that ancient magic is still within them whenever they shift during the full moon. Killing a being so close to the same magic as magicals helps provide a druid with enough temporary power to make them have increased magic. And why do they have to be killed? Kaya's not even sure she wants to know the answers anymore. The curse is attached to the blood, Kaya. So if it responds somberly, to take the power, one must take the blood. The answer sounds so final. And it makes Kaya's skin crawl and throat tighten up. Druids are willing to kill innocent creatures for their blood all so that they can release a magical being locked away in a magical prison realm for whatever reason. Great. That reminds me. Kaya snaps her fingers as she remembers something. Why not vampires? Aren't they cursed as well? Forever destined to live out their lives under the moon. Ah. <laughs> Sophie smiles and tuts. Vampires are already dead. Their blood is no good. That makes sense as well. As grotesque as that might be. Can we not talk about killer druids? Anders ponders as he flies back into the living room. I vote for letting the adults worry about this stuff. You should be more worried about trying to get a vision from Mrs. Murray. Sophie stares the twin down. Anders dismisses her comment by waving of his hand. I can hardly control my visions, he responds absentmindedly as he sets the TV up. Sophie snorts and kicks him with her big toe. Why do you act like we didn't grow up together? Sophie folds her arms. I know if you have a certain thought on your mind, get close to read and fall asleep, then you will get a vision. Anders' just nose twitches but doesn't respond. Sophie finds this odd and goes to press the boy on, but is stopped by Malcolm. Enough, Soph, Malcolm says, as he goes to pat Anders in the back of the neck before whispering something to teens ear. Must suck, Kaya says to Sophie, as she looks on at the two teens. Who would want to have visions of death and killers? Kofi, Sophie sighs at this and digresses in instantly. Kaya leans back and watches Anders set up the movie. Declan says he ordered the pizza and Yates comes in with a bottle of triple vodka smeared off in one hand and a water bottle in the other. Here, Yates tosses the blue water bottle to Sophie, who catches it right away. You and Soph can share this. Kaya's eyes grow wide. She's already shaking her head. Drinking isn't for me. No, 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 she protests. Come on, Sophie, please. And she uses a belt and a straw to take a sip. Peer pressure. Just try it. Sophie is leaning the bottle towards Kaya's lips. And the teen can't help but think of how gross it is. And Sophie wants to swap spit via bottle straw. Kaya, despite her better judgment, takes the bottle, twists it open, and takes a sip from the top. There is a slight burn that makes her wince. But beyond that, the fruity juice taste pretty much covers the alcohol completely. She takes another tentative sip before passing it back to Sophie. The same girl who's beaming as if corrupting Kaya has been her lifelong goal all along. 
Oh, wow. Sophie suddenly gasps. Kaya turns to stare at Sophie as she hands back the drink. Kaya tries to look in the same corner as Sophie is, but doesn't say anything. Your dad is here, Kaya. The girl suddenly starts blushing. He says, you take after your mother. Kaya hides her face behind her hands. Ah, oh, no fair, you know, protest from the floor. How can you sneak alcohol when your dad is spying on you? Malcolm smacks a teen on the back of his head. Way to be sensitive. Yates shakes his head. No, Sophie speaks. He doesn't mind. He's actually laughing. Says he's glad Kaya has friends now. Kaya groans at this. He's making it sound like she didn't have friends before. Because you didn't. A voice sounds in the back of her head. She ignores it. Any reason for the visit, Dad? Kaya speaks to the air. It's awkward. She has no idea where to look. She tries to match those few line of vision that her eyes are in the vicinity of where her father is standing. He says he wants to make sure you don't go anywhere alone and that you're safe. Sophie relays the information. Her face is all scrunched up in confusion. He also states none of us should get involved in the druid business until the adults take care of it. Thank you! Anna shouts with his arms wide open. Like I've been saying, let the adults take care of things. You said it once. Sophie sneers like five minutes ago. Yates says with a straight face, hardly profound. Wow. Anders starts being dramatic. I didn't know this was gang up on Anders Day. Can you hush? Sophie shushes him. Let me just go silently cry in the corner. Anders points to the corner of the room. So on my sat and doesn't affect anyone's day. Why are you like this? Kaya laughs. Wait, what? Sophie pauses. You can't be serious. Kaya desperately wants to know what her father is saying. Kaya, he says your life is in danger. Kaya pauses, pauses, but so does Anders. Says he gave Anders a vision, hoping he would relay it to you. Kaya whirls her head around to look at the twin, who has decided to look anywhere but at her. He gave you that vision? Malcolm announces in bewilderment. How can the dead give visions? How do you even know about it in the first place? Anders asks sternly. You were in the car when I told the others. So you all knew I was in danger and decided to inform me. What? Wait, never mind. You didn't inform me, Kaya shouts in anger. This is something she definitely needs to know. This is information that should have been shouted from every rooftop. I couldn't help but read your thoughts, Malcolm responds to Anders, as if Kaya never said a word. She huffs in protest. You were screaming them so loudly. Talk about invasion of privacy, Malcolm, Ambers, Anders complains. He's hardly the problem. Kaya lets her complaints be known. It must be hard trying actively not to listen in when hearing thoughts comes as easily as hearing people talk. The problem is, however, you had a vision about me and didn't tell me. How am I supposed to tell you I saw you die? Andrew shouts. The room gets quiet. Kaya's lips part open and she desperately tries to gasp for breath, but it seems like air has escaped her lungs. She thought being an endangerment, there's a risk she's going to get hurt, but death, that's so final. Still, her face hardens.
That's my decision to know you can't take that away from someone. In his defense, Declan interrupts. He didn't know how to tell you. How could he? And his visions don't always come at one time. I'm sure he didn't want to say anything until he saw the complete vision or knew the whole scenario. Thank you. Anders mumbles. Kaya deflates and takes the bottle back from Sophie, not caring about the straw. She drinks a few large gulps. It burns. So death. Kaya shakes her head in silent belief. How exact are your visions? She's afraid to even question. I've never been wrong before. Anna responds quietly. That's because his visions are premonitions of things to come. Malcolm explains. So fate wants me dead. Nice. Kaya stands up in a huff. In a huff. First, my dad dies. Then I learn about the secret society for supernatural creatures that I apparently belong to. Now there are killer druids, dying werewolves, vampires are a thing. My roommate can talk to my dad, dad, my dad, dad, and I'm going to die. Sweet. So glad I woke up this morning. Kaya slams the bottle on the table and starts to head for the front door. I'm going to see my mom. She walks out, leaving quietness in her wake. This is my fault. I'll go after her. Anner stands and waves him off before leaving after. Did he say anything else? Malcolm turns to Sophie. She shakes her head. He's gone completely. He's not here anymore, she tells them. There's something not right about this. Malcolm scratches the back of his head. You talk about the fact that Kaya's dead dad gave Anner's a vision? Yates comments. Yeah, Malcolm nods. There's a seer in my mom's coven. Maybe we can ask her if this is a common thing or not. Come on, guys. Kaya already lost her dad. We don't need to be thinking he's suspicious. Why wouldn't he do all he can do to warn his child that she's going to die? That's not the problem, Yates tells his friend. The issue is the dead aren't omniscient. How does he know exactly how and when she's going to die? How is he able to see her death and pass that along to Anders? Well, we don't know what he, his gift was. Definitely defense. He could have been a seer when he was alive, saw the vision before he died, and the reason he's still hanging around is to make sure someone's able to receive it. We'll see. Malcolm states just as the doorbell rings, I'll get the pizza, even if he leaves to go get the food. No one is really that hungry anymore. 